course, this week's Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Paxson, and we're here talking all things sports in Salford. Joining the show this week, as ever, we've got James at Sweetenham. James, looking forward to talking all things sport in Salford and beyond. Yeah, most certainly am, Rob. And for the first time in about a month or two, the three of us are back together on the show. So fantastic for the audience. And I can't wait to talk all things sport over the next hour. Yeah, we're bringing the band back together. We've got Paul Whiteside from The Devil in the Detail. Paul, looking forward to talking all about what's going on in the world of sport and beyond. Yeah, yeah, like James said, the three musketeers are back in action, aren't they? So, yeah, it's been a while, has it, since we've done a show together for various reasons. But, yeah, looking forward to it. There's plenty going on. And, uh, and yeah, I'm sure uh, I'm sure we'll better squeeze it all in the, uh, the time slot that we've got. Yeah, so we'll start with the Rugby League World Cup, Paul. Second week of the tournament. How excited are you about it? Yeah, it's been good. I've not been able to see as much as I'd, li- as I'd like to, but I've caught up the highlights and things like that. I think the coverage has been tremendous on, on the BBC and all the games being on. And you've got the other the wheelchair one starting soon, the women's as well. It's all coming along. So everything's been good that I've seen. I think there's been a few blowout score lines and things like that, but it's, it's been a good tournament. I think you know people have enjoyed it. I think England have particularly impressed you know, there's certain players that have surprised us a bit, hasn't there, with their performances, and they're looking good. Australia looking really good as well. So, uh, so yeah, it bodes well for the uh, for the knockout stages coming up next weekend. It's very exciting, England two from two. Uh, what do you make of their progress so far? Yeah, I think they played really well. I think the 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 games that they've played in, in the group games, um, all three matches they've won, haven't they? So. Um, so you can't argue with that, really, you know. And, and they've, they've played some good stuff as well and, 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 and scored plenty of tries, plenty of points. You know, Mark Snead kicked plenty of goals at the weekend. The Salford players have done really well. And, you know, Dom Young, I think, has been absolutely outstanding. You know, he's only 21 years of age, but, you know, what a player he's been. So, so yeah, they've played an exciting brand of rugby as well, really throwing the ball around. And, and similar to Australia, that's the way they played the game. So, so yeah, I think the Sean Wayne side's done really well. They, they've, they've ticked all the boxes so far and passed the three tests that have been put in front of them. But, you know, there's going to be bigger tests that lie ahead now. Yep. Salford also have a big representation in the World Cup, especially with England, with uh, Andy Ackers, Mark Sneed and Callum Watkins all wearing that England shirt. Yeah, and all three of them have done really well. You know, Mark Sneed at the weekend was man of the match. He's 13 conversions. I think he kicked. That must be a, a record, that for England, I'm sure. And Andy Ackers has, has, has really done well, hasn't he? And, um, you know, I think that they've got to have held their hands up now and for a real chance to play in the in the knockout stage in the quarterfinal. I hope so. You know, he's got a 24-man squad there, Sean Wayne, to pick from. But they've done themselves no harm at all. I think Andy Ackers has been great. scored a couple of tries along the way. Uh, Callum Watkins, I know, he got a bit of a knock um, the week before, didn't he? So hopefully we'll see him in the uh, in the knockout stage. But he's been great. I think he's been great for, for Salford uh, Rugby League Club that they've got players in the England side as well. It really puts us on the map because, you know, I can never remember any Salford players playing in the World Cup. For, for England or, or Great Britain, so it's been it's been tremendous, been a tremendous story so far. I've just seen a bit of the game on Sunday with Tim Lafayette playing for uh, Samoa as well. So uh, yeah, it's been it's been really good seeing the Salford players uh, getting the recognition they deserve. Yeah, Tim Lafayette must be near the top of the try scoring charts. Two tries this week, two tries last week, showing what class he's got. 
Yeah, he's been a super player for Salford and and a player I didn't really know a lot a lot about when he when he when he first signed. But you know, as we we wax lyrical about him last season, didn't we? His performances and he's been been tremendous for us and he's took that into the World Cup. Such an elusive player and elusive runner and you know um, we're a real quality player and um, and yeah, it's been it's been great. It's been great to see him playing in the, in the Samoa side and you know they've got some good players in that side there. And they had a tough start to the tournament, didn't they? With a you know a sixty point hammering, I think it was, and uh, you know since then. I've heard some pundits saying they could be dark horses to do really well. Can you imagine that with losing me sixty points in your first game and then going on to you may maybe get into the final? So yeah, there's an awful lot of um, sort of twists and turns. I think yet in the World Cup and you know there's all sorts of conundrums. I mean, England can't face Australia, can they? Until the final, if they were to meet in the final, I think that would be tremendous. So, uh, but there's going to be tough tests along the way. You have got Fiji who's still there and Papua New Guinea and I think Tonga are going to be pretty tough as well. So. I think the knockout stage will be a lot more intense than the and the group games. Yeah, obviously looking at the other sides, New Zealand uh, won big as well, and Australia. Um, you know, they're the two teams we've got to look out for, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, I think so. A lot of people said Tonga didn't they, at the start. I've not been that impressed with Tonga, but as I said, I think it'll be a different kettle of fish come the uh, the knockout stages. New Zealand, I think there's vulnerabilities about New Zealand. They don't seem to be as disciplined as as Australia when it comes to retaining the ball. They do like to to offload and, and play that sort of game. Australia, you know, will will class side, aren't they? Full of quality, but they do play the percentages right. Australia, the not being disrespectful to them, but they've they've always been to seem to have been a very methodical sort of team, but they can do the the magic stuff as well. But they'll they'll grind you down, Australia. You can go toe to toe with them sometimes, as England have done in the past, and then they'll wait for that that one minute, that one mistake, or that that one minute where you where you lapse of concentration and they'll they'll, they'll ping you, won't they? So you've got to be so careful against the Australians. They've impressed me so far in the tournament, and uh, you know I think it's going to be terrific. That, you know, the games that are yet to come. If it's an England-Australia final, I think that, that'd be absolutely mouthwater in that. You know, you, you you look at that now and think we've got a great chance in a one-off game against them, but there's an awful lot of work to be done before we can start talking about semi-finals and finals. Yeah, obviously, you know, it's going to be exciting. Obviously, the whole country behind the team, it's remnants of the uh, Leeds World Cup and uh, all the excitement that, that that built. And obviously, they need to keep winning. They're playing uh, next week in the quarterfinal. We don't know the opponents yet, but it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, I'm not too sure where it's going to be. I think, is he going to be winning that game? I'm not too sure. I thought it was going to be at Wigan, yeah. So you've got a, a real sort of heartland of the game there in the town of Wigan. So you'd expect a massive crowd there for that. So that's that's another one to look forward to. But as as every week goes by, Rob, you, you build that little bit more of momentum, don't you? And uh, you know that, that's great in a tournament. Those those players are starting to gel now, aren't they? After uh, after three games, so you know the partnerships are gelling and the team the team are playing really well we've got a lot of experience on that side as well you know guys who play in the NRL so he's he's full of experienced players and you know one or two players who who've come in for the debuts this time but you know it's it's a good side it's a well balanced side as well it's got a good pack plenty of pace out wide as well and uh, i think you can match any team in in the competition yeah obviously look you know looking at that We've got to be successful. Obviously, the World Cup has been, we've been waiting 12 months, and it's important that obviously they can go all the way or at least get to a final to keep that momentum going. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You'd like to hope so. I think the rugby that they play at the moment, they've got a massive chance of, of, of getting to a final. But, you know, it's, it's on a game. You've got to take every game. You can't start to want to find you've got. 
got finals in the semi-finals to get through yet. So no team's going to lie down for you. You know, these teams, as I said before, it's going to be totally different in the, in the knockout stage. Yeah, group games, teams are gelling, teams are sort of finding each other out. Now it's knockout rugby league now, isn't it? So uh, it's going to be really, it's going to be blood and thunder. There's no doubt about that. Whether you're playing, you know, one of the Pacific Island teams or, or whoever, it's going to be very, very difficult. But it's been great so far. It's been great. Some of the venues. I mean, Newcastle has done really well. They've got a huge crowd at St James's Park, and there's been a few games at the Kingston Park as well, where they've had six or seven thousand there for matches. So they've, they've done really well up there. And there's other parts of the world where games have been as well. There was one at Middlesbrough at the weekend. Sheffield United's ground as well so it's been good to see rugby league played in different parts of the country and, and, and people coming out and enjoying it yeah and the ladies they start their World Cup midweek they face Brazil it's great obviously the women's game has grown so much that they can host a World Cup in this country yeah too right yeah I'm looking forward to that starting as well it's more rugby league to, to get your teeth into as well so uh, I'm sure it'll be really entertaining the, the ladies and um, you know wouldn't it be great if we could get a clean sweep in the, you know for England but uh, there's, there's, it's going to be very very tough as well but you know there's some real talent there isn't there and uh, it's, it's going to be exciting it's just it's been a great festival of rugby league and you know we, we had to wait 12 months for it with it being um, you know postponed last year in 2021 and I think it's just it's just made it even better this time for me you know the anticipation there the, the crowds and you know it's been it's been great England has really lived up to it in, in the men's and it's got everybody, uh, everybody believing now, so I'm sure the ladies will follow suit. Yeah, let's talk about domestic uh, rugby league now, and we'll start with uh, Salford Devils. Ryan Briley, uh, Salford's uh, fullback, has signed a new three-year contract to stay at Salford Devils. A local uh, lad, a local supporter of Salford Devils, uh, he will be chuffed a bit so he's got this new contract. Yeah, I'm sure he will. Well, he thought it is it. As well, Rob. I think he played some of his best rugby of his career last season at, at, at Salford, and he's had a, a decent career, hasn't he? Playing at, at Lee and Huddersfield, and also over in uh, Toronto as well. So, um, so yeah, I, th- I think he's been he's been been great for us, and uh, you know, a great guy off the pitch as well. And you know, I know there was rumours that other clubs were, were after him and things like that, but I, I didn't have any any doubts about Ryan signing. He's he's a local guy, and uh, I think he's he's fully committed to Salford. Gets on really well with the players and Paul Roller. So, yeah, I think that's that's a great signing for us. And it's great that we're we're retaining, you know, the the, the players from from last season and hopefully build on that with some players coming in as well. Yeah, he's got a great link up with Brody Croft and Mark Sneed. You know, them three, as well as Andy Ackers at Hooker, really provides attacking threat for Salford the Devils. Yeah, they do, and you've got that continuity of them going, you know, through another full pre season together and, and then going at it in 2023. I mean, a lot of the time we've, we've lost players, haven't we, in a close season, had to rebuild and bring players in and start shaping a team again. And, and those three are going to be there again next season. You've got Chris Atkin there as well, who, who pushes them all the way. Um, so you've got some some good pivots there in the side, and, and Ryan Bradley's really part of that, that, that triangle. that uh, quintet, if you like, of, of quintet is that five or four? I'm not sure. I was after before, but uh, but no, you know what I mean, don't you? So they, we, we've got plenty of talent there, and it's good to see that we're keeping that talent. But no, Ryan's Ryan's a good lad. He really is. He, he talks really well off the field. He's a great ambassador for them as well. I've seen him do, you know, interviews and, and presenting on the television on the BBC Super League show, and uh, you know, very very intelligent lad, and um, he's good to have around the place. I think he's a real good role model for the for the young supporters as well. 
yeah, James went to university. I'm sure he'll fill us in before he starts talking about boxing, whether that was uh, correct or not. But we'll carry on as he quickly Googles that. Um, we'll talk about uh, the Hall of Fame. Uh, David Watkins and Adrian Marley both entered into the Hall of Rugby League Hall of Fame. Uh, Paul, both Salford legends uh, in different ways, and it's great that they're in there now. Yeah, David Watkins. I mean, I thought he'd already be in there, to be honest with you, the, the career that they had. And Adrian Marley is another one. Yeah, fantastic. You know, Adrian Marley had a fantastic career in, in this country, had a fantastic career in Australia as well, and very respected by the Australians. We spoke about him loads of times on the podcast, haven't we? And did an awful lot in the for in international rugby league as well. David Watkins, you know, record holder at Salford and a fantastic player in, in, in the sort of when he signed in the late 60s. And then and through the seventies as well, so a uh, very prolific goal kicker, you know, super super player, and um, you know one of our uh, most decorated players as well. So um, and, and super for Wales as well. What a, what a great player for Wales! And if you look back at his career, and did an awful lot in rugby union as well. Was a great player for rugby union for Welsh rugby union. So um, yeah, a great player in both codes, and yeah, real superstar. Does he? Does this mark a change in the way people look at Salford uh, Rugby League club that they've got a couple of players in that Hall of Fame now? I think there should be more, more than that in there, Rob. To be honest with you, I saw a picture of our uh, our chairman Paul King at the weekend with uh, with Paul Charlton. I know Paul Charlton's one of his heroes, one of my dad's heroes as well, and probably your dad as well. And um, I'm surprised he's not in there. You know, many people say he's one of the finest fullbacks we've ever seen. Um, and I think you can think of other players as well, like Sir Morris Richards, Keith Fielding, Chris Etcliffe, Colin Dixon, Mike Coombe. There's, there's plenty of players we could have in that in, in that Hall of Fame, isn't it? If you go back to the uh, sort of the seventies in the World Cup, we had a few players in the World Cup side uh, 50 years ago, didn't we? That won the World Cup. So I think we've had some some great players over the years, likes of uh, Gus Risman as well, and and many others. So I, I, I'm pretty sure that it's great to see. You know, likes of David Watkins in there, but I'm, I think there's more solver players in the future that could be inducted into the Hall of Fame. No doubt about that. Yeah, other good news: Paul Rowley and Kurt Haggerty have signed three-year contracts for stay at Salford Red Devils. They've been a fantastic uh, partnership at Salford, leading Salford to uh, the playoff semi-final where they were defeated against the Ellens. But after 12 months, they've shown such class uh, and turned the club round. Yeah, they certainly have, and they, they've got a great partnership as well. And, and work really well with Danny R. I know Danny R's move, moving on, isn't he? I think to to, to different pastures next season. So it'd be interesting. I don't. It doesn't look like anybody else is going to come in. So at the moment, so it's just Kurt and, and Paul next year. But they they've both been great. I think you know Kurt works so well with him. They respect each other and and, and they work really well. I've mentioned it before. Paul always brings Kurt into the press conferences and that admiration between the two of them. And they, they do. They seem to bring the best out in the players. They. Uh, I've said it before to you on the podcast and we've agreed on this that Salford have got a lot of good people in that side as well. Not just good players, they've got some some, some really good human beings in the team and you know, people who respect each other and, and, and you can see that that Paul Rowley effect rubs off on the players. I think Ryan Briley's one for that where, where Paul's really put his arm around him and, and brought the best out of him. And I think a manager or coach, manager, whatever you want to call him, if he can you know, put his arm around players and bring the best out of them. That's a, that's a sign of a real top guy, that real top coach, top manager. So uh, we've seen it in football with managers that can do that. And I think Paul Rowley is a, a rugby league man that can do that. Yeah. And obviously with, with Kurt Agassi, you know, fantastic assistant, does his job really well, at coaching the players how to play Rowley ball. And it's a really good partnership there. Yeah. And I think Kurt Agassi is, you know, he's coached in Super League before he, he coached at Leeds. 
didn't he, for a time last season. I think learned an awful lot doing that as well. He's coached a lot of amateur level at Pilkington Rec, so he's he's a real student of the game, Kurt, and I think he'll make a, a real top head coach one day in, in Super League, whether that be at Salford or, or elsewhere. I'd like to think it'd be at Salford in a few years' time. Uh, or whatever when Paul Rowling moves on, moves on or whatever. So I don't know. I don't want to say Paul Rowling's moving on, but yeah, but you know what I mean. I think he he'd be a great job. He'd do a great job because he's a good guy. Talks an awful good game and very knowledgeable about the sport as well. So uh, I'm glad we've got those two signed down because, as I said before, it's good to have that continuity. You know, when you've got players and, and coaches that are staying, we had Ian Watson there for for a, for a good long while, didn't we? As well, and he just showed when 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 Watto was there that continuity. Continuity, you can bring you know real success to the club, can't you? So I'm sure Paul Rowley and, and Kurt will do the same. Yeah. So we also have a link up with Red Star Belgrade, uh, the famous Serbian football club. Have a rugby league club as well, and we've uh, got links with them now, which is great news for them and for us. Yeah, certainly. Is. We spoke about this on the podcast, didn't we? And I think it's another. Uh, it's another good link-up, isn't it? Spreading the, the the gospel of rugby league, but not not just that. The the name of Salford Rugby League Club as well. You know, we've had links up with, with Ghana as well, haven't we? And uh, you know, other people in the, the the past twelve months. So I think this is another exciting uh, opportunity for the club. You know, it's, it's a massive sort of part of the world that where there's millions and millions of people living, isn't there? And uh, if we can get them involved in, in rugby league and who knows, you could see like a, a Serbian team playing the World Cup in, in a few years' time, you never know. And that sort of part of the world, as I said, there's a lot of athletes over there, a lot of sports people. You know, I'm pretty sure James will be able to tell you about all the boxers that, that are over that side of the world. There's plenty of them. So, um, so yeah, if we can get some rugby league players over there, I think it's, it's great for the club. And, uh, you know, great that we've got a good partnership with them. Yeah, obviously fantastic stuff uh, for, for Salford Devils. We talked about the England ladies starting their World Cup uh, previously, but domestically, the England Lions, Community Lions, have two uh, ladies who play uh, rugby league in our uh, our area. One uh, is a Swinton Lion called Mia uh, Ashton, and the other is uh, Salford Devils ladies start Brogan Evans both have been selected for the England Community Lions, and it's great that both are able to play uh, for the England Community Lions. Yeah, it certainly is, and there's nothing, there's nothing that tops that. Is it really playing international rugby league and representing your country? And uh, you know they've done really well at the domestic level to be to be picked to play for the for the England Community Lions, and you know I'm sure they're very very proud to be representing them. And uh, you know it's, a, it's the pinnacle of your career, I think that. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, let's talk about Swinton Lions. They have uh, started to plan for next season and re-signed a few players. Nick Gregson, uh, Dan Ab- Abraham, Mike Butt and Rodri Lloyd all re-signed for next season. Great uh, that the Lions have started to build a squad. Yeah, Mike Butt and Rodri Lloyd have been representing Wales, haven't they, in the World Cup? And I've been impressed with them two guys as well. Mike Butt, I think... You know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him at Salford, Mike, but, you know, I think he's um, he's been a good player for Swinton and, you know, really, really good winger. I'm not being disrespectful to Swinton, but I think he could do a good job at a higher level. But, 
you know, it's good to see him there at Swinton. And they're in the Championship next season. They've moved up from League One, so they are at higher level. So uh, I think you've got some good players there. And I'm hoping they're going to... Uh, they're going to survive in, in, in the Championship. I, won't, I hate to see them go down again and be a bit of a yo-yo team. I think if they can consolidate and survive next season and you know keep pushing on, they can uh, they can do well in that, that league there and start building the crowds at Haywood Road because they've been there for a few years. They've settled there and uh, you know, the club seems to be moving forward now. So Alan Coleman's done a good job. I think getting Swinton up out of that division has been a real big job this season for them. There's some good sides in there, as we've mentioned before. Keith Lacuga's in there. He, he run away with it, but... Northwell Crusaders and Doncaster, Rochdale, Oldham, some real tough sides in there. Hunslet, another one, and Swinton uh, got the better of them all and got promoted. So, uh, so yeah, good luck to them in the championship. Now they've got to just make sure they can survive next season. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Obviously, talking about all about it on the Sports Zone on Salford City Radio that this season, both Salford Devils in the Super League and Swinton Lions in the Championship. So that's all the rugby league chat, and now we're talking boxing with James and Paul. Yeah, we most certainly will, and there's loads to talk about this week in the world of boxing. We've got Jake Paul and Anderson Silva. It looks like Javonta Davis and Ryan Garcia will not be happening. Vasily Lomachenko made his comeback last night. But first things first, let's kick it off with the whole debacle regarding Tyson Fury and Derek Chisora. Last week, me and you spoke about this, Rob, and I was quite open in the fact that I wasn't very happy with this, despite the fact that I've championed Fury for what seems like years on this show. I and a lot of his uh, supporters and fans have, have seemingly turned on him for this one. Paul, it'd just be good firstly to get your verdict on this matchup. Very surprised, uh, James. I was very surprised when this, this, this fight was made. It just seemed a, a real sort of left-field decision, really. I mean, you didn't see this one coming at all, did you? So I don't know if it makes any sense, really, for, for either fighter. But not Tyson Fury. I mean, it's just sort of a sideways step. Really. That's with no disrespect to, to Derek Jadora. But I didn't see this one coming whatsoever. Disappointed that the, um, you know, he's not fighting Joshua or, or Wilder or... or I don't know, or you sick? It just seems a strange one to be going fighting Chisora. Don't know. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, it definitely comes across as a bizarre move from from Fury and Warren, in the knowledge that it's going to receive backlash. Bearing in mind that Fury and Delboy have fought twice before, and on the second occasion, fans booed them out of the XL Arena because it was such a boring contest, which doesn't indicate that it's going to be any better on December the 3rd, especially considering the fact that Fury's gone up the levels and Chisora's seemingly gone down them. Yeah, he does. It, it just seems a real strange decision. Like you said, when they fought twice before, what they got to prove with each other, and that, that second fight they had was a bit of... They both cancelled each other out, really, didn't they? And there, was, there was nothing in that fight, so I'm hoping we're going to see something better this time, you know, some more fireworks. I mean... I'm sure Chisora will, will bring something he's going to have to do, you know, if Fury's fighting anything like he's fought recently, he's, he's going to have to bring his A game, his, his Chisora, otherwise he's going to get absolutely poor, but he just seems a strange fight. It, it doesn't make sense. You know, you're talking about fighters moving on and, and building a legacy and, and, and progressing. Fury's sort of, it sounds disrespectful to Chisora, but it is like going even down that sideways. I mean, you, you've been up there fighting top-level fighters, and then you go in fighting somebody who's a bit lower down the food chain. So, yeah, it, unless this is warming up for something else, unless he's, he's got something else in the in the fire and it, he can't sort of get it over the line yet, and he's just taken this one to you know to keep active and keep boxing, which would be a smart decision, really. But I just hope he, he gets something 
with with some of the top the top ones in the next uh, in the next few months or early, early stages of next year because he keeps talking about retiring, doesn't he? And are we in danger of missing out on a top fight because he's he's took this one? I mean, as you mentioned there, we we have missed out on you know fights that could have happened from the WBC rankings. You could have done the Wallin rematch, for example, which was a much more competitive fight than the last Chisora fight. There, there was other people in there, you know, your Frank Sanchez's. There was a few unbeaten Kazakhstanis and Russians who could have posed problems, but they opted for Chisora. It hasn't got the response Warren would have liked. And even though they bolstered up that undercard with that matchup between Daniel Dubois and Kevin Lorena, it doesn't look like it's going to do a significant amount of pay-per-view buys. Therefore, is Warren, who's put this roadmap out there for next year, saying that he's going to fight Usyk in March for the Undisputed titles and providing he comes through that, it's going to be Joyce in the summer. Is that an indicator that this fight isn't selling well and he's trying to tease people with the prospects of two more bigger fights? Possibly. Yeah, I think that that would that would uh, probably make sense. That James, it, it really would. Um, I hope that's the case. Really, I hope we get to see the Usyk fight. I mean, I'd love to see him fight Anthony Joshua as well. Um, I don't know whether we'll ever get to see that. I mean, there's been all that sort of talk about the contracts there and neither fighter or, or they've not signed it or Joshua's not signed it. But you, you'll never know. I mean, he he might be chomping a bit to sign it, but you don't know what goes on behind closed doors, do you? Really, you just hope that they can. They can sort these things out. They can sit down like adults and, and sort things out. But in boxing, this doesn't seem to happen sometimes. There's always some sort of fallout and, and we miss out on great fights. So let's hope that we do get to see Fury in with the, you know, the best in, in, in 2023. And let's hope that this fight with Chisora is a good one, an entertaining one. And, you know, God forbid, if Chisora beats uh, Tyson Fury, then that, that does muck plans up, doesn't it? But, uh, you know, stranger things have happened in boxing. And talking strange things, uh, Paul, uh, Jake Paul, the YouTube sensation, has just beaten Anderson Silva, who's globally recognised as one of the greatest mixed martial artists of all time. Granted, significantly past his prime, 47 years of age now. A competitive fight up until the last round in which Paul dropped the Brazilian icon, and that, that basically swung it on in terms of the points decision. I've got two questions here for you, Paul. Firstly... Just two fights ago, Anderson Silva beat Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., who, despite not taking his career overly seriously, is still a former boxing world champion. So what level can Jake Paul go up to? Because he's beating people, and this is an indicator that perhaps he can beat former world champions. And a matchup against Silva is significantly better than what we're seeing a lot of prospects fight, bearing in mind a lot of them are getting in with fighters who are you know, 20 and 40 or, or 10 and 15. For example, Tommy Fury in his next out is taking on a fighter who's 5 and 2, and those two losses come against uh, boxers who was 0 and 4 and, and 1 and 4. Is Paul almost changing the roadmap in terms of fighting a higher level of opposition than a lot of prospects, despite his very limited experience? Yeah, I think I've changed my mind on him a bit, really. I thought he was a bit of a mouthpiece when I first saw him come along and, you know, I wasn't too sure about him. But you can, you can only go off what you've seen. And I think, you know, he's a brave kid and he's got a bit of talent as well. I think one thing that he has got is an awful lot of belief in himself. Um, and, and that can be dangerous. And what I've seen him, I think he's a very brave lad and he seems to not be frightened of anybody. So I think you've got to stand up now and perhaps, you know, give him a bit of credit and give him a bit of respect that he deserves now. And, and yeah, he can he can promote it, he can sell tickets and, and get views and likes and all this sort of business, but he can do the business as well. So I think his, his career, for me, where I wasn't too fussed about watching it at first, but now you sort of think, 
yeah, it's quite interesting. This he's, he's fighting decent people and, and putting on a decent show. So, um, so yeah, I mean, good luck to him now. Good luck to him and see what 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 next uh, comes along for him. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Rumored fights with Tommy Fury still out there. And that one for me, Paul, it's interesting because when this was first rumoured, people had Tommy as a clear favourite. And now the pendulum swung a little bit. And from my perspective, seeing Paul going in with the likes of Anderson Silva and Tyron Woodley, who granted aren't traditional boxes, but offer more than your standard journeyman who's just coming to give you rounds, will that give him far more experience going into this one than Fury, who's still fighting an extremely low level of opposition? Yeah, I think it'd be close fight. I don't think... Um is the, the clear winner on that one like maybe you would have said 12 18 months ago he was i think now i think you've got to say paul's getting the experience and every time he gets that win i think his belief just grows a little bit more doesn't it so uh, so yeah for me fury at the moment like you said has not really fought anybody of any sort of level really so um so yeah that that ring rust is going to be there with him isn't it and and, and for paul he's he's sort of on um Got a bit of a bandwagon behind him now, for want of a better word, and, and, and he's moving in the right direction. And that momentum can build and build and build. And, you know, that would be a good fight now between him and, and Fury. I think, it, uh, you know, one that captures the public's imagination and there's a bit of um, bit of rivalry there between them. There's been crosswords, hasn't there, on the social media and things like that. And it all sort of likes to fuse all this, this business, doesn't it? So, uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that fight. I think it'd be very, very interesting. A lot of people are excited to see what happens to Jake Paul next, but he wasn't the only big name back in the in the boxing ring last night. And he might not have the social media following, but he definitely has the calibre on his side. Vasily Lomachenko back in the ring against Jermaine Ortiz. He started slowly, but slowly he managed to grind his opponent down and secure the victory on points. It's now looking like he's going to take on Devin Haney for the undisputed world titles. And where does your thought process go initially, Paul? Are you looking at this from Vasily Lomachenko slowing down and perhaps won't have the won't have the ability anymore to compete with Haney? Or do you think when it comes down to it and he's in the ring fighting for those undisputed titles, he'll roll back the years and put on a big performance? Uh, I think the latter. I think, yeah, I think he's got a great chance of rolling back the years and, and putting in a great performance. You know, he, he's a very, very special fighter. You don't see many men move around the ring as quick as he does and, and Jane Yangles as quick as he does and... You know, he's special to watch. I think he's really, the way he can switch from head to body and move left to right, I think, you know, you're watching a, a magician at work at times, aren't you? So, so yeah, I mean, he's not getting any younger, is he? But I think the um, the fight with, with Devin Haney would be absolutely awesome. It really would. That would be a great fight. That And uh, I wouldn't back against Lomachenko. I think he's an absolute machine, you know. He's gone away there from boxing, gone back to his, his home country and, and fought for his country. I mean, no, he's a terrific ambassador for, for for his country as well there. And, uh, you know, what what a tough, tough man he is. And, yeah, a good win at the weekend, I thought. Another boxer is back in the ring. Katie Taylor taking on Karen Elizabeth Arabial. Not the opponent we would have liked to have seen her in with. The, the woman had, had never fought outside of a native Argentina. So not necessarily the perfect matchup. But regardless, she gets the victory. And now she's looking at a fight at Croke Park. Yeah, yeah, exciting, exciting times for Katie Taylor, and, and yeah, what what a fight that that would be there, you know, massive, massive crowd, and uh, 
see if she can get down there for that one. But uh, yeah, she's probably not been quite in the limelight recently. With you've got the Clusters Shields and Savannah Marshall belt that's that's taken an awful lot of the headlines. But you know, Katie Taylor's a special, special fighter, and it was good to see her, uh, you know, back back amongst the winds. And while it wasn't the greatest ups uh, the undercard, we had a massive upset. Kikel Martin is shocking Jordan Gill, stopping him in the fourth round to become a five-time European champion. And how long can this Spaniard keep springing upsets like this? I mean, we remember years ago, I think you were there the night that Scott Quigg beat him at the Manchester Arena, and he's also got losses to the likes of Carl Frampton on his record. But while those two men have retired, Kiko's still fighting at the pinnacle of the sport. Yeah, he's he's uh, he just rolls back the years and surprises everybody. Uh, yeah, I remember that fight against Scott Quigg and Scott Quigg. Well, I don't know. He was a, a top fighter then, Martin. Isn't it? And Scott Quigg really, really pummeled him that night. I think his body shots. He absolutely smashed him and looked an awful lot heavier than him, even though he wasn't. Uh, and you thought, God, how long Martin has got left? Um, but he's he's come back with a real Indian summer in his career, really. And you know that that fight at the weekend. You know, Gill's a good fighter. And a fighter that's progressed, you know, and been one of the um, one of the fancied ones on, on on sort of Sky Television. He's been talked up, and you know, uh, with his promoters and what have you. And, and Martin has yeah rolled back the years and did a good job. So um, I think he's one of those fighters who is very very dangerous, and you can't take him lightly at all. I think he's got the belief. He's got an awful lot of desire and heart. I mean, he's getting on a bit now, but he, if you look at his record, he's had tons and tons of fights, hasn't he? And uh, been in with the toughest fighters out there, but. Sometimes you get boxers like that, don't you? And they just they just come back and defy the odds. And he's definitely one of them. I think he's a terrific man. Most certainly. And now looking at the more negative side of boxing, uh, we've had several big fights fall off. I mean, at one stage it was looking like we were going to get Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua and Terence Crawford versus Errol Spence before Christmas. Now we know that neither of them are going ahead, and we'll get on to Crawford in a little bit in his next career move. But now it's looking like Javonta Davis and Ryan Garcia has also broken down. The president of Showtime, Stephen Espinosa, has refused to do a deal with DAZN, and these two men, Ryan Garcia especially, has a massive following out in the States. Javonta Davis with Floyd Mayover, he has a big name, and this would have been a fantastic fight for boxing, and it's just let another stain on this sport that politics seems to dominate. Yeah. It does, and and add to that the drug situation between um, Conor Ben and Chris Eubank Jr. It's, it, there's been a lot of letdowns, hasn't there? You've got to feel sorry for the boxing fans. I mean, they're looking forward to these big fights, and and the, the plug seems to get pulled on, doesn't it, uh, for one reason or another? And it's it disappointing. It really disappointing. I mean, it, boxing doesn't have to shoot itself in the foot sometimes, and you you, you wonder if people are going to walk away from the sport and just watch something else because. Uh, no, it does. It, it does seem to uh, not do itself any favours, and, and it's a shame people want to see these big fights, and, and they just don't seem to happen sometimes. And I think you know, the, domestically, the, the the fight between Fury and, and and Joshua that should have been made years ago. You know, two blokes there at the top of the game, and it's just floating along and, and never been made, and for one reason or another. So I don't know. Sometimes it it just seems a real shame for the fans. It most certainly does. And talking kind of Ben there, two failed tests now confirmed, both for the same stubblance, clomiphene, a drug that usually raises testosterone level in men and can also be used as a masking agent for other performance-enhancing drugs, specifically anabolic steroids. So far, 
there seems to be no explanation. We were told by Eddie Hearn and Conor Ben the facts were going to come out and we're all going to look stupid and, and forgive Ben. Seemingly, they've gone with the contamination excuse and it's not looking great for him at the moment. No, it, it, it just seems crazy to me. I mean, I spoke about this with a few of my friends and when we're in the gym, you look at things and you take stuff and what have you and you think to yourself, if I was a professional boxer, I wouldn't be able to have that because... You know, there's a massive list of things you can't take and you can't touch, and your team should know exactly what you can and can't have, and what you can and can't go near, because you can't afford to to take anything that, that's wrong, can you? I mean, there's probably tablets and I don't know painkillers and that that you can't take because they'll have certain things in that will fail a drugs test. So it just seems absolutely crazy to me, and I don't know. I mean. I wouldn't want to hang kind of Ben out to dry before I knew all the facts because I don't, but it just seems it's it's a hard hole for him to get out this one, you know, to dig himself out of now. It's gone gone awfully quiet and when it does go quiet like that, it, I think there's a there was a complete lack of professionalism there from not just kind of Ben, his team. You know, I think his team have let him down a bit there as well. You know, he shouldn't be taking anything, you know, that that's that's gonna affect any sort of uh, drug test. Anyway, veering back onto terror. Terence Crawford, he's fighting Davin Avanesian, and for anyone who's seen the Russian in recent times, he's looked absolutely tremendous in performances over Josh Kelly and Kerman Laharaga, but it isn't necessarily the fight we wanted to see, considering everybody was hanging their hopes on this Errol Spence matchup. But the concerning point for me, Paul, this is going to end up on the streaming service BLK Prime, not a service that anybody's ever heard of, for the price of $35.00. Crawford is supposedly promised a ten million plus payday, and I'm just not sure how this sort of pay per view generates that kind of money. No, I don't really. Um, it's not one that I've ever heard of, and is it easy to do? And I think with things like that, yeah, I'm not so sure how it's going to generate loads and loads of loads of cash. But it, again, a strange one. We we didn't get to see the fight we all wanted to see, and. How many times have we, we said this recently about what we've just been talking about, haven't we? But, uh, but no, it's been frustrating. But, uh, but yeah, we'll have to see how that one uh, pans out. Most certainly. Now moving on to the big fight card this weekend. Eddie Hearn doubling down on his Middle Eastern expansion. He's going to Abu Dhabi and he's bringing three big fights on the bill. Firstly, Dimitri Bivol fresh over his win over Canelo Alvarez, looking to defend his title against the best possible contender. He'll be taking on the Mexican Gilberto Ramirez, who's over 40 and 0 now, not fought the greatest of opposition. I remember a few years ago him fighting Arthur Abraham for the WBO super middleweight title, him winning that. And and Bob Arum never quite got in the fights that could have taken him into superstar. And don't get me wrong, he's looked good. And he's definitely a, a good challenge for Dimitri Bivol. But this is really where we find out just how good this man is. It's a great fight for me, Paul. And which way are you leaning? Well, I think I'd go with Bivol, to be honest with you. Uh, what I've seen of him recently and the power that he possesses, I think I'd go with him to edge that one. Um, I think maybe a, a knockout, sort of round nine, maybe ten. That'd be my, my prediction. I think he'd just have a bit too much in his looker. And then the co-main event, Chantel Cameron versus Jessica McCaskill for the Unified Championships. Chantel, a possible future opponent for Katie Taylor. And it'll be good to see her out there. Just to put a bit of a measuring step because McCaskill obviously fought Katie Taylor in the past, came up short. And considering there's a massive vacancy at Croke Park for a potential opponent for Taylor, this is a big opportunity for both these women. 
it is it is it puts them both in the shop window, doesn't it? Really, to perform. And you know, when you're talking about going to Croke Park, you know, a big stadium there, and you know, you know, performing under under lights and that. I think whoever gets that that one there could could put themselves in for, with a shot for that. So uh, that adds a bit of spice for for this fight coming up this weekend. It most certainly does. And the last one on the bill that we're going to be looking at, Paul, Shafkat Rachmanov versus Zelfa Barrett for the vacant IBF title. Held originally by Joe Cordina, he was then stripped due to an injury to his hand, which a lot of the boxing public felt was unfair. But regardless, the Mancunian Barrett in line to fight for a vacant world title, and he's not going to get many better opportunities than this. He's not. He's not. And he's worked his way up well uh, as Barrett. You know, he's... Uh, local lad for us and an exciting talent as well he really is and you know another powerful uh, powerful boxer at the weight and you know he, he's lightning he really is good to watch and uh, this is a massive opportunity for him now and I, I'm pretty sure he's he's got a good chance I think he's got a good chance this weekend and uh, let's hope he does it for the, for the local area and the, the local boxing in Manchester most certainly now moving on to Manchester United Rob Big victory for them. Marcus Radford bagging a historic goal to seal another victory. Yeah, fantastic win for Manchester United. A game which we usually kind of lose our drop points in. It's important if you're trying to get to the Champions League, you've got to win them kind of games. And we did. Uh, this week, good goal by Max Ratchford. Great header, lovely ball uh, by Ericsson. Uh, sent the uh, the centre forward in the air. Lovely header, one 0 Manchester United. And you know. All is well at Old Trafford, James. Yeah, a fitting night to do it. A 100th Manchester United goal on the 85th anniversary of the club. Yeah. Like I said, you know, he's had his he's had his doubters and, and people have, have obviously asked questions about his, his heart and whether he wanted it. But last couple of weeks, he seems to have, uh, have, uh, have shown the people what he's on about. Goals uh, this week and last week uh, has really ignited him going forward to the World Cup in the next couple of weeks. Most certainly. I mean, he's become the 22nd Manchester United player to reach 100 goals. And as we've said, so many people have written this man off last season, but he's bounced back with a bang under Eric Ten Hag. And you think he'll score another 100 for the club? How much more has he got left in him? I mean, he's still a young man. He is. He has. And he obviously, he's been going a long time at Manchester United. But that shows he has class because Manchester United are the team which is going to hang on to players for no reason. He has to perform every week if he wants to continue to play uh, in that attacking uh, position at Old Trafford. He seems to have, have, have turned the corner. He's scoring goals again. He's looking more confident. He's playing some good football. And that's a, that's a good thing with uh, Hentag. He'll be, he'll be looking at him and thinking, you know, I'm asking you to to be one of the best centre forwards in in the country, uh, and he's and he's being repaid uh, with some great goals, and and it's fantastic. You know, as United fans, you know he is uh, one of our own, so he's living all our dreams, which is fantastic stuff. It most certainly is, but he wasn't the only player to perform tonight. David De Gea made a fantastic save to deny Mikel Antonio and Kurt Zuma before the final whistle and more than earning all the money he's being paid, especially after a negative week in which he was left out of the Spanish World Cup squad. Yeah, it's obviously big games. Uh, you get big players who play in big games, don't you, James? And two world-class saves at the end by uh, David De Gea was the difference. Um 
these are the kind of games when you start dropping points uh, it makes you drop out of the top four and for Manchester United to get the three points uh, this on Sunday afternoon uh, is a big step forward obviously there's other teams in the Premier League that will be looking for that top three top four finish but you know, Man United yeah. keep winning uh, and stay in uh, you know, touch who knows if we're still there after the World Cup in February March time uh, you know who knows what might happen who knows Rob who who knows? Looking back over the course of the week, we picked up a 3-0 win over Sharif, Jalow, Rashford bagging another goal as well, and then Cristiano Ronaldo. Has your perspective changed on the Portuguese man at all? Last week, you were quite keen to get rid of him. Has this changed your opinion, or are you still of that training for? Yeah, to be fair, James, I don't think he fits in, in this Manchester United team. These, uh, you know, couple of performances, the goal uh, against uh, Sharif, you know, does that paper over the cracks? Does Ten Hag see him uh, as a as a fixture in this Manchester United team? I don't think he does. I think as soon as a sort of more mobile, younger centre forward becomes available, uh, Ronaldo will depart. And I think Ronaldo knows that as well. He wants to be playing every week. Uh, and at the highest possible level. And at Manchester United, that won't happen because I don't think if it's in our system. But Last couple of games, he's come in and he's done a good job. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bang, bag him for that. But see him as a future Old Trafford beyond Christmas or the end of the season. No. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how that all pans out, Rob. But this week, Manchester United travelling to Real Sociedad and Aston Villa. And the Midlands side have been struggling as of late, especially you know with the recent departure of Steven Gerrard. And it gives us another big opportunity to pick up three points. Yeah, wounded animals like Aston Villa when they lose the coach, uh, James. You don't know how they're going to react. Steven Gerrard, uh, recently sacked from Villa. You know, he's a manager that went to Rangers, very successful. Aston Villa took a, took that chance on him. He doesn't seem to have delivered. Brought in Coutinho, got him a new contract and seems like Coutinho has switched off after that. I know they've got Danny Ings as well uh, in that in that team. Uh, but yeah, something doesn't seem right uh, down there at, at Villa. But new coach, new ideas, new determination could be a potential banana skin for Manchester United. But that is what title teams do. People who want to finish in that top four, they go to Villa against a team who who are fighting for their lives, uh, want to impress this new coach that's coming in. Uh, and, uh, is it Henry, who, who's coming, they want to impress him. Uh, you've got to get a result uh, down there at Villa Park. But with, with Villa Park, it is quite a successful uh, away ground for Manchester United. So we're going to go there full of confidence that we'll get a result. Um, we're talking, like I say, we talked about the Europa League and, and Real Sociedad away from home on Thursday. That'll be a tough contest uh, for Manchester United. It's just a matter of getting the result and moving on to the next game. Yeah, it most certainly is, Rob. And looking ahead to that Aston Villa fixture, you mentioned there that the team wants to fight because they're in such a difficult position. They weren't able to against Newcastle. They succumbed to the pressure of the northeast side, who have now gone into fourth place in the league. Mm. And at the start of the season, we were predicting how long it's going to take this team to make it to the Champions League and to make it to eventually winning titles with the amount of money that's coming to the club. Mm. It's looking like they could do it sooner than even we thought. We said it was going to take two or three seasons. It's looking like they could make Champions League football in that first season. Do you expect them to be there at the end of the season? I do, I do, James. I think, obviously, with Eddie Howe involved at Newcastle, uh, they seem to have turned the corner. Yes, the the money has, is right, it's coming, and uh, it's just a matter of them building. Um, 
you know, the very passionate fans out there, Newcastle up there, they'll roar uh, the, the team on. Uh, but Callum uh, Wilson, you know, what a centre forward he is. He has struggled with injury. But he seemed to uh, to find uh, a bit of a form at the moment with a pe- with a penalty and, and another goal in this game, and he must be a, a shoe in for the World Cup. And uh, with Amaron as well firing goals, and they seem to have sorted the defence out as well. So they will be a, a real contender um, at the end of the season, if not this season, definitely next season for the title. But the owners have lots of money, don't they? So I'm sure they'll be thinking about investment in that squad and and taking Newcastle to the next level. And uh, that's a big uh, sort of problem for the likes of Manchester United and Man City and Liverpool because if Newcastle get it right, just like Man City got it right, uh, it's big, big problems if you want to win the league and that. Yeah, it most certainly be as we've seen with Manchester City in recent times. The amount of money that's gone into that club has caused every team in Europe problems. Mm-hmm. But moving on to Chelsea, they suffered a 4-1 loss against Brighton. That's resulted in them dropping down to sixth place in the league. But of course, they're in the Champions League places just a, you know a couple of weeks ago, and I think the race for Europe this year is as hot as it's ever been. Yeah, obviously, Graham Potter going back to his old club. Um, when you do go back to the old club, it seems like your club does give that extra ten percent, and it seems what happened here. Obviously, Chelsea going for that Champions League spot. Brighton struggling. I think it's the first home win for the new coach at Brighton, it seems. So, that's a good thing for him. But I'm sure they're going to learn from it. Obviously, you know, they've got bigger fish to fry, Chelsea. They're looking at this and thinking, uh, is it a a blip in the road? Or is it something that's going to, you know, hurt them in the longer term? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, But... Champions League, Champions League, you need to keep winning uh, games and obviously a slip up at Brighton uh, isn't quite a dagger to the heart, but it is a, a, a shot across the bowels, James. Yeah, most certainly is not the uh, the cleaners of analogies, but definitely one that suits the current position that the this club finds itself in. Moving on now to Arsenal, a 5-0 victory over Nottingham Forest and the Gunners aren't slowing down. No, no. I suppose with... with uh, Arsenal, a lot of people think they're probably going to drop off but beating Nottingham Forest who obviously beat Liverpool uh, last week, 5-0 is a big sign obviously Arsenal were at home um, Jesus, ex-Man City play involved in uh, one of the assists for, 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 the, for the goals and like you said, Arteta has them playing well and uh, the likes of uh, Man City will be looking at them thinking where's the slip up going to come but it's a long Premier League season. Arsenal have got, got to go to lots of different places and get results. If they're still top of the league and four, six points clear come February, March time, then we might be looking at an Arsenal uh, Premier League win, but plenty of games to go. There's a World Cup in between yet for players to get injured and get tired. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what direction Arsenal will go in. They're taking on Chelsea next week and as you mentioned their wounded bird syndrome they're coming off that loss against Brighton that'll obviously halt their momentum they'll be feeling negative and it's a big opportunity for Arsenal to put on a big performance against one of their biggest rivals yeah because obviously the other teams like Liverpool and Man United and City will be looking at Arsenal to drop points in that contest but these are London derbies it's all blood and thunder it's all uh, panic stations and it's going to be a fantastic contest uh, for everyone hopefully they drop points and the, the, the chasing pack can close the gap yeah it's going to be interesting to see moving on now to Nottingham Forest they picked up a victory over Liverpool last week and then 
think things didn't work out so well for them this week. Liverpool dropped uh, a loss to Leeds 2-1. It's sort of indicative of how the Scousers' season have been going so far, because obviously Nottingham losing to Arsenal 5-0, that's sort of the hunch you'd want from Liverpool, and they're not doing that. Then this loss to Leeds as well, they seem to be crumbling in front of our very eyes. It seems like, like you said, Liverpool are struggling. Um, Jurgen Klopp obviously led them to the, the Premier League title, but seems like you said that they are struggling to, to, to go to that next level again. And how long will the the Merseyside club put up with these substandard performances? The, the Nottingham Forest one, you can uh, put that to one side. The, the record isn't the greatest at the city ground, but Leeds at home. At Anfield, with all the Anfield uh, noise and the atmosphere, should have been three points to Liverpool. To be fair, the Leeds goalkeeper had a had a wonderful game, some outstanding saves. But that doesn't make much of a difference when you're looking at the table. For me, Klopp has a couple of games to save his job. I'm sure Liverpool owners will be looking at this. Um, obviously, with the Champions League as well, they'll they'll be hoping they can find some form in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, they most certainly will be, and it would be a shame. They lost Clap after all the wonders he's worked. Mm. Obviously, the World Cup break's coming up quite rapidly, and do you think that'll give the German a chance to reevaluate things and come back stronger, or do you think it'll effectively spell the beginning of the end? Well, I think what the problem is, James, is the top top players will all go away to the World Cup. So, what has he got to work with in you know that month of being off? We'll say. Um, you know, players who aren't involved in the World Cup, are they involved in his squad? There's not going to be many, is there? Really? That's with all the other sides. I think the problem you'll have is fatigue for these players that have gone all the way uh, to Qatar in this heat uh, and, and played football and then come back uh, in whatever it is, January, February time in the cold conditions of, of English football. Uh, you might have injuries there and it's going to be a real task for every team to manage that. But We'll have to wait and see. It's exciting, the World Cup being at a different time of the year, but it doesn't help the Champions League and it doesn't help your league form when you've got that month break in the middle of the season. You could go into that break on fire, scoring goals, top of the table, a month off, and then you go back to square one and it's it's really difficult. And that's what these top coaches have to do. They have to manage that situation. That's why they are, that's why they are top coaches because they will manage that situation. Yeah, they will. Robert's really going to separate the men from the boys this one and which managers and which players can overcome this humongous hurdle that's been placed in front of them. I mean, it's a pretty unprecedented issue in terms of football. I've never seen anything like this before. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all pans out. But now looking at Manchester City, a nil-nil draw against Dortmund in Europe, a 1-0 win over Leicester. They've now got games coming up against Sevilla and Fulham. How are you expecting them to go? Yeah, won the goal by uh, Kevin De Bruyne against uh, Leicester. No, uh, Erlen Haaland this week. Uh, obviously, Leicester rubbing their hands, thinking they could have a chance. But, you know, the, the Belgian, what a, what a free kick that was. Uh, top corner, not getting anywhere near it, the Leicester goalkeeper. And that's, like I said before, the top teams in the Premier League, the, the potential title winners, Manchester City, um, they go to Leicester and win the they score a wonder goal, they take the three points and they move on to the next one. That is how you win a Premier League. Uh, and other teams will be looking at that format and thinking we, we should be looking at that. But it is tough because obviously you can't do that every week. But Manchester City seem to be trying. Yeah, they are trying. And they're a club who's going through an interesting period because they're being almost spearheaded by one man. 
And you think Erling Haaland is taking the shine off a lot of these Manchester City players? And we always talk about ego in these big teams. For example, Paul Pogba really did uh, put the fire out at Manchester United because he had such a negative impact at the dressing room. What do you think the psychology is like with these Manchester City players at the moment who are all being led by this one man? Well, it may, it's two ways of looking at it. It's either Haaland gets all the all the, the headlines and Man City players are thinking, well, I made all the magic happen. You just stuck it in the net. But he scores all the goals. The pressures are on him. I can play and I don't have to be as worried because spotlight is on Earl and Haaland and not me making things happen. And that might be what's happening here at Man City. These top players might quite like the, the spotlight being on somebody else so they can obviously get on with the job. What will happen is later on the season when you've got Champions League and they're running for the title, can he continue, Erling Haaland, to score the goals and, and be that figurehead? Or will Pep give him chance to, to sort of come off the, the main firing line and let someone else take over? That's the, like I said, that's what top coaches do. They make big decisions, don't they, James? And I'm sure Pep will be looking at it, even though. Haaland doesn't go to the World Cup, so he'll have a month's rest, which is great for all these Premier League, Premier League defenders. I'm sure they'll all be resting easy in the bed with that thought in the head. But it's been a tough, it's been a, well, a glorious first season for, for Earl and Haaland, so it'll have to see what happens in the next uh, couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, I think with that rest, Rob, he's going to come even better because, like all these other players, he's not going through the pressure of the World Cup. He's just going to tick along. Learn a little bit extra from Pep Guardiola because he is under the tutelage right now of one of the greatest minds on the footballing planet. So I think he's going to be scoring even more. I don't think this run that Erling Haaland's on at the moment is going to slow down anytime soon. I see him blasting more and more and more goals into the net and leaving defenders terrified in their boots for a long time to come. But now looking at our local side, Salford City, a 2-0 victory over Hartlepool. We expected them to get that one. And then a 1-0 loss to Leighton Orient. Not the worst defeat in the world. Leighton doing really well this season, top of the league. We're now just a point away from the playoffs. And every single week, Rob, we seem to be talking about Salford just being on the periphery of that top six. And how long is it going to take for them just to break into it? It's going to be exciting, James, to see what happens. Obviously, they do need to keep winning. That's the important thing going forward with Solver City. Keep winning. Keep tuning in on the Sports Zone on Solver City Radio. I'm Rob Parkson, and we'll see you next week for more Salford Sporting Chat. 